Yeah, you know, it occurred to me. It occurs to me, Kevin, that uh, perhaps one of the reasons you decided to go into business and do that for such a significant portion of the, you know, your uh, early career time was for the very reason that you didn't want to be like Jay and me. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, you might have said, I, you know, I really like the idea of public service, but not if they're doing it. You know, there's something, there's something, <laughs> there's something definitely wrong there if those two guys are allowed to be in positions of responsibility. <laughs> You are listening to Manager Brothers Lessons Learned. Twice each month, Greg and Jay Goodchow draw on their combined 80 plus years of state and local government work experience to help listeners avoid the pitfalls they and others have unwittingly stumbled into. And now, on to the episode. Well, welcome everyone to uh, Manager Brothers uh, Lessons Learned. This is Jay Goodshow. And this is Greg Goodshow. And we have a special guest uh, with us this morning. He's uh, not that. He's not that special. <laughs> not that special. Well, <laughs> we, we don't want him to hang up before he uh, has a chance to speak. So um, I will introduce uh, our youngest brother, uh, Kevin Goodshow. Welcome, Kevin. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, well, the, and the reason that we've invited uh, uh, another good show to join this conversation this morning, we thought we'd take a break from from the uh, previous two episodes um, dealing with contracts, and we would uh, go back and, and visit a little bit more on uh, how Greg and I uh, got into this profession, but then expand this into our other three siblings who also were uh, engaged or are engaged in service-type professions. Anyway, we thought that might be uh, worth exploring for uh, our listeners. Yeah, our, our thought our thought as we were talking about it was to think about public service as the family business. And Correct. so I think that we just wanted to you know, give some different perspectives on uh, on how we how we all got that uh, to that point. Yeah, and to, to kind of go through the chronological order, I guess, our oldest brother, uh, Russ, uh, had a career with what is now the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services, uh, where I had my first career of 32 years. Our uh, sister, who unfortunately is no longer with us, was a registered nurse uh, for her career. Um, Greg and I, of course, are both um, more most recently involved in municipal management, and then our uh, youngest brother Kevin is a, a pastor in the Methodist uh, Church. I, I wasn't sure how specific he wanted to get. Well, we might leave well. that up to him. Yeah. I'm going to leave well, that up to him. Okay, so. all right. <laughs> we'll, we'll cut that. We'll cut that part out, Kevin. So, brothers, if you're going to get specific, then it's the United Methodist Church. Oh, so, okay. let's not muddy the waters. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. They used to be. First, first United Methodist or something, so they've dropped the first apparently. Well, no, the first, the first was the first. Now, this is interesting because you don't see this very often. But the first, it was an indication that that was the first Methodist church or first church of any denomination that was going to appear in a com- in a community. You would rarely see a second, but I remember, I think I saw a fifth. Presbyterian church in a community one time. Wow. So the whole idea was you're just numbering them. Whoever got there uh, first was going to name first, and uh, and then the second was uh, second Methodist or whatever. 
well, that's very, very original. But I don't know that we ever got to the, the point where somebody would be the last Presbyterian. Exactly. The last Baptist church. But <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, if, they, if they had an ordinance to restrict how many churches they could have. so <laughs> It's not like gas stations. I'm certainly glad that's not how our parents chose to name us, you know, the first <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. Um, so it's a good segue into uh, looking at, you know, how we got into these uh, professions, these service professions anyway. And I'm suggesting that we actually look back um, two generations. Uh, our our grandfather, Goodshow, uh, was a carpenter. And uh, during the Great Depression that started in 1929, uh, carpentry jobs were hard to come by. So our that was my our dad's family of of uh, it consisted of grandpa- our grandparents and of course uh, four children. Uh, I like I have to think likely struggled, and some of the st- you know just some of the stories that we've heard that I've heard about and I remember uh, my grandfather uh, would go to the railroad yard and help unload coal cars in order to bring uh, heating coal home to the to heat the house anyway so that was one story and another one that I remember dad talking about too was that at the end of the day, uh, Grandpa would go to the um, local bakery and wait in line for the day-old bread to come back from uh, the stores uh, because it was sold at a discount. And so he would wait, you know, however long it was to get get there and he always brought home bread and dad said he could remember on occasion that the bread was still warm and i always thought wow that really jerked at my 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 heartstrings a bit because it meant that that baker was not going to turn anyone away who needed bread mm-hmm. and even though it wasn't day old bread it was he was bringing it right out of the oven um, he was selling it as day old bread so i really appreciate you know what what he did in that instance so anyway sure. Um, so that's just a couple of stories, but where this where this is going, um, our grandparents instilled in our uh, our father and his two brothers that uh, one of their one of the things they observed during the Great Depression was that uh, mailmen uh, always had jobs; they never lost their jobs. And so, our dad and his our two uncles uh, all had careers with the uh, United States Post Office. Uh, out of Kalamazoo, as it as it turns out, anyway. So um, that you know, you know, Dad obviously took up some of the trade of carpentry that he learned from our grandfather, but uh, you know, let that go by uh, in order to take a what was considered a more secure job with the with the post office. That uh, appointment to that position came while he was serving in the Navy. Right. Um, so he had, um, and it was during World War II. Uh, he was uh, had made application, taken the civil service exam, and and uh, the appointment to that position came through while he was uh, while he was serving. And uh, in those days during the war, that was a job that was held open for him. So he knew when he got uh, discharged from the Navy that he had a job waiting for him when he came back. 
correct. So the, the next the question, and I'll, I'll stop talking long enough for the two of you to maybe interject some comments then, is you know, how, how did this uh, get instilled in the five of us children um, to you know, continue the tradition, I guess, of, of service and, and uh, work in, in the service uh, industry, I guess? Kevin, I'll let you go first. Oh, great. Thank you. Um, well, you know, not having a complete understanding what you guys were going to aim at today, but my thought was it came not only from watching our father who, uh, you know, truly lived that uh, letter carrier mantra, you know, neither rain nor snow nor sleet nor dark of night. Um, you know, I remember dad, the, the one thing I remember most was he was proud to wear that uniform. Um, yes. I also, you know, his shirts were always pressed. His hat was right, but, but then when, uh, really, where I learned the most was when uh, Dad retired after thirty some years, and uh, at that time the Kalamazoo Gazette did a bit of a story on him, and then you found out that it wasn't just him delivering the mail. He got to know all the people on his route. Right. Uh, you know, right. he truly cared for and served those people. But then on top of that, um, you know, our mother, uh, while she didn't work out of the home very much, um, she was always involved serving through the church and the school and uh, band boosters when you guys were in band. So I think for me, uh, it was just modeled for us. It was part of our family life. Uh, you know, dad would sometimes come home and tell stories of his day. And of course we all knew what mom was up to. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, in my mind, I think that's how maybe this came to be instilled in me. So, yeah. Do, do you remember, uh, and this is for either of you, I don't remember ever anything explicit being said about what kind of careers we ought to pursue or what kind of orientation those careers should have. It was certainly instilled in us that we were going to go to college. Uh, there was, I, don't, I, I never knew I had a choice, uh, and I don't think probably any of us did. Uh, that was just automatic that we were going to go to college, but I don't know that anybody ever said, and it's for the purpose of studying this, or it's for the purpose of uh, getting a you know, public service career, or, uh, or you know, if you go into public service, your opportunities to um, have a good income during the next depression will be better. I don't remember any of that kind of explicit discussion. No, I don't think there was any uh, like that. I, I have to agree with Kevin that it was just kind of you know they lived that uh, that life, and you know we we absorbed those characteristics. Yeah, I, I can remember, and I don't know how old I would have been, but probably my early teen years, when I would think about, not necessarily a specific career, but think about what I would do when I grew up, um, I knew two things, um, and I've known this then for most of my life, and one of them was I wanted a job where I did not do the same thing every day. I wanted a job that had a lot of variety, so it was unlikely I was going to be a letter carrier for the post office. But I also knew that it was going to be public service. I wanted a job where I was going to be involved in serving others. And so going into business was not something that really ever occurred to me. Um, that just wasn't 
what I envisioned when I saw possible careers. Um, I, it, it took me a while to figure out what I did want to do, but it, I always kind of had that in the back of the mind, back of my mind, that it was going to be a career in service. Yeah, and I think um, my. Uh, awakening is a little less <laughs> less uh, defined perhaps because when I when I uh, graduated from high school and uh, was looking at at uh, being broke I think um, my our parents tried to convince me to uh, put off starting college for a year and uh, I was you know working I actually worked in a couple of factory jobs and I thought to myself if if I put this off, I may never get into college, you know. So I went ahead and, and borrowed money from uh, one of you and uh, actually started my uh, initial semester at, at uh, Western and continued to work in the factory, you know, off and on for the entire, well, what ended up being four and a half years for my undergraduate uh, education. But I, I knew from, I think I was the only one in our family that worked in a factory at any time. and. I knew that that was a lifestyle that wasn't going to suit me for uh, my career. So I, you know, obviously looked uh, to look to uh, move up, move ahead, move on to something else. Even though I certainly respect everybody in in America and in the world that works in uh, those kinds of industries. Kevin, just to kind of turn to you, you know, your your path to your current occupation uh, had some twists and turns to it. Uh, how did you, how did you, you know, what, what were the decisions you were making that got you where you are today? Well, and, and it's interesting because when you mentioned how um, you never felt our, our parents uh, pushed us into a certain, you know, mine was a little different. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm the vocal singer in the family, so to speak. And um, it was clear that, uh, you know, mom was pushing me to become a high school choir director. And that was my initial college, uh, you know, attempt. And, and like, unlike all of the rest of you, well, uh, I guess not so much Kay, but, um, I never completed my four-year undergrad degree. Um, I found out that music was not my thing. I switched to business and then I was offered an opportunity to uh, take a middle management position with an automotive parts company and I spent the next um, almost 28 years working in automotive-related fields, parts, uh, for two years, I sold cars and was the world's worst car salesman, and my wife and children <laughs> suffered for that. Um, and and I, I use that often. I was a there was that conscience. I'm not saying car salesmen are bad by any means, but I just didn't have it in me. Um, but I did do well for ten years owning my, my own business with a business partner. But um, so my. Uh, journey was a little bit different, but it's, I'm glad you asked, Greg, because there was something that Dad told me right before he he passed away, and his one wish for me was that someday I would finish college. Hmm. And um, while I never did go back to Western and complete my undergrad, my journey into ministry with the church. Um, allowed me to uh, complete uh, the equivalent of an MDiv degree 
uh, in ministry. So I, uh, unlike the rest of you, I went back to school at age 49 and um, and now I've been in ministry for the last uh, 14, finishing up my 14th year. So um, again, I, you know, I think all of us were called, uh, you know, mine was more of a spiritual calling that, that called me here. But I have to tell you, this is in ministry as difficult as it can be. It's the happiest that I've been in any, uh, if you call it a career in my life. So, yeah. What, yeah. One of the things, just I'll interject here, we'll come back to the kind of the thread that we're on here uh, in just a second, but uh, I was thinking, that Kevin, as we get uh, further along in this conversation, that there may be some value in thinking about the similarities and differences between the local government management careers that Jay and I have had and uh, your uh, running you know, a church or being a, a pastor heading up a, a different kind of community. Uh, it's uh, something that I've remarked about over the course of my career, and so kind of be thinking about that. We may come back to that point here as we, as we get a little bit further along. We'll return to Manager Brothers Lessons Learned in a moment. Do you have a topic you would like Greg and Jay to explore? Are you interested in being a guest on Lessons Learned? Do you have comments about this episode? You can write Greg and Jay using the contact form at gregllc.com slash lessons. That's G-R-E-G-G-L-L-C dot com slash lessons. I mentioned, uh, I think that while I had a, you know, an idea that I was going to go into public service, I really didn't know what that was going to going to look like. And I had gotten through uh, probably, uh, Kevin, about the same uh, point in my undergraduate career as you did uh, without a clear sense. Uh, you had a clear sense of where you want, were supposed to go but didn't go. I didn't have a clear sense as to where I was going to go. I was majoring in political science, a double major going in political science and sociology and really didn't know what I was going to do with that. Um, I had been working that entire time uh, at, a, at a hardware store, which was, you know, and I've, I've remarked in those days, and this would have been in the, in the early 70s, you could work uh, as a clerk in a hardware store and pay your way through college at the same time, meet all your living expenses, and get married on top of it. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, the, 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 I don't think you can do that uh, Do that today. And so, uh, you know, I had the luxury of not having to have in mind uh, where I, you know, where I was going to end up uh, career-wise. But I was, uh, I think it was in my last semester of my undergrad, and there was a uh, presentation of uh, a short film and the, uh, without going into burdensome detail about it just to indicate that during the course of this film uh, I came to the realization that what I wanted to do with my career was to make cities better places in which to live. And my initial thought was to go into urban planning. I mentioned this to one of my political science professors, and he said, no, you, you really ought to think about city management. Uh, Western had just started up a uh, public administration program at that time. 
And I said, no, that's not what I want to do. Uh, and then you know, about a year later, uh, after having taken a little time off, I, that's what I enrolled in, and that's where I went, and that's what I've been doing ever since. Yeah, and I, you know, I've told, uh, I've said this before in this, uh, in our in our podcast, that it took me a while to, uh, you know, realize what I wanted to be when I grew up, because I spent my first career, 32 years, with the, what is now the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services, uh, but it, there was kind of a, a, a few awakenings that occurred, you know, along the line. I got, a, I got a, became exposed to, um, you know, municipal government uh, as first an appointed official and an elected official. And uh, similar to Kevin, I went, I went back to school for my master's degree in public administration uh, when I was 50 years old. So it was, it was kind of like, you know, even though I had a bachelor's degree before that, I wanted to have an encore career that was in municipal, uh, municipal government. And, you know, and I, I'll just interject. Uh, I as well went back to college at about that same age. I think I must have been 46 uh, when I started my Ph.D. program. So uh, that had absolutely nothing to do with career. Uh, you don't need a you don't need a Ph.D. to be a city manager. In fact, it might be a hindrance uh, to being a city manager. But uh, but so we all went we all went back to college uh, in one form or another later on in life. Well, let's well let's let's take up this question that you know that I raised, Kevin. Uh, since you're the guest here, uh, you know what do you you've heard a little bit about the work that Jay and I have done. What are what are you uh, what what are the similarities that you see in uh, being the pastor of a, of a Methodist church? Uh, and, I'm sorry, of an, a United Methodist Church, and uh, and some of the work that we do in in the in our communities. Well, I, I think real clearly a similarity is, you know, we are both uh, both careers, uh, if you'll call them. Uh, we work with the community of people. Uh, you and in, in your city government, uh, you know, my assumption is you are trying to make life for the residents of that community better by making that community a better place to live and right. work and so on. And, and uh, you know, in the church, it's it's similar um you know i am trying to uh uh, spiritually enliven a church a community of people um to not only uh grow and better their lives but to allow those people to reach out into uh, the community in which i live to enrich the lives of people that don't yet know uh, who we are um you know i think another thing that uh kind of came up from a, a recent uh, review that I had to go through was uh, in both of, in, in your city government in mind, um, a lot of what we do, I think, is meeting um, people's expectations, uh, working, we're working with their expectations. Uh, you know, we're working with uh, traditions and uh, their their thoughts. As I as I said in my uh, interview recently, we work a lot with run a, runaway expectations because uh, you know people don't often voice their expectations to us until it might be too late. So I do believe there's a lot of similarities. Uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, the the same basic management skills that that you and Jay have had to use in your careers that I am now finding uh, that I've developed in my business career that's very helpful in my pastorate. Mm-hmm. 
And there's a, there's another aspect I think that's a, uh, similar as well, and that is that we all tend to have careers that are nomadic. Um, you know, we, yeah. you're, you're on what, your third church? I am I am on my officially my fourth church, okay. um, but my third move. So um, mm-hmm. yes, in the last fourteen years, uh, uh, my wife and I sold our home. Uh, praise God, we were able to uh, sell that to my daughter and son-in-law, where they are now raising our grandchildren. Mm-hmm. But, um, and we have uh, lived in houses and bought one home. But yeah, we. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping I'm not moving again until I retire. So, but you never know. You're not the one. You're not the one that makes that choice, and uh, no, ultimately. Nope. Yeah, and that's 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 true. Jay and I have experienced both. Uh, neither have we been. <laughs> right, right. But I'm determined. I'm not moving again. I'm, you know, if I get to the point where I can't live here any longer, I'm just going to fall into the ravine behind the house. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, we're we're, we're we, Kevin is Kevin is still uh, is not employed by him or for himself by himself. Uh, right. Uh, and so we have that advantage. We uh, we we now have a little more control over. Uh, over whether we're going to stay or move or whatever. Uh, Correct. Yeah, you know, it occurred to me. It occurs to me, Kevin, that uh, perhaps one of the reasons you decided to go into business and do that for such a significant portion of the, you know, your uh, early career time was for the very reason that you didn't want to be like Jay and me. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, you might have said, I, you know, I really like the idea of public service, but not if they're doing it. You know, there's something, there's something, there's something definitely wrong there if those two guys are allowed to be in positions of responsibility. <laughs> Well, well this, this this sounds awful like, lot like you know us evaluating our positions as, as <laughs> siblings in the family you know I'm fourth of five and Kevin's fifth of five so yeah <laughs> well I can I can tell you this that was probably never in my mindset of why I did what I did uh, getting into the automotive world just happened to be uh, an advancement that came to me. Um, I can tell you that when I decided to leave the automotive parts end of the, the business world and to become a car salesman, that was truly money driven. My mind was set that I could make really, really good money doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and my bank account during those two years and those little funny IRS reports we get speak differently so uh, yeah. That, yeah that was not a good move but but no it was never i don't want to follow in your footsteps so uh yeah well i but, just, but you know in, in in that respect you know i presume you did not go into the ministry for the purpose of making money um absolutely not no uh, that that is correct as a matter of fact uh you know my very first appointment was the the least amount of money i had made in nearly 15 years Mm -hmm. so um yeah no the the ministry is not about the money um that was truly about i found along the way my desire to care for and to serve others so right well and and, and, again i was going to say in that in that in that respect uh, not a lot different than being in in municipal management. Uh, there, and I've never complained about what I got paid, but it's not the most lucrative ac- occupation one could find. Uh, it was fine for me, and I was able to live a you know a comfortable existence and and raise my family and do all those kinds of things. Uh, you know, I don't 
don't own a second home. I don't own a boat. Uh, we didn't take expensive trips to Europe, um, but uh, but we were able to live a fine life. Uh, you know, getting paid uh, enough is in in my view. Well, and I think just if we're going to get close to wrapping things up here, I, I always think in terms of our careers, um, we have we've had different obstacles and different paths that we've we've taken. And I still uh, remember. I don't know if he said it in so many words or not, but Dad would would say, uh, "Think of think of these as learning experiences." So I'm not sure what I've learned. Yeah. <laughs> we're still learning. We're still learning. We're trying to, anyway. Once once we figured out we're not doing any more podcast episodes. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> so. right, Kevin, be- Kevin, before we wrap up, this is a good opportunity while, while uh, you've got us on the spot here to ask us all the questions you always wanted to ask us uh, that relate to uh, whatever, whatever it is that uh, you think is important that our listeners might want to know. Oh, boy. Wow. Um, I, I have no questions to ask of you guys. I really don't. So, um, so I've we've been that question. we've been that thorough. Well, well, we've we've the, we've humiliated him. We have browbeat him into <laughs> submission. <laughs> the, the only question that I ever want to ask, and it has nothing to do with uh, with management or or anything, is you know why Jay did you always say I was adopted all those years? Hmm. That's, that's my only question. I mean, I was or you were? You know that you said I was. So. Oh. <laughs> well, because because you would think um, uh, I was I was six years old when when you came along, <laughs> and uh, um, you know you would have thought because I could remember a lot of things that happened before I was six years old. You would have thought that mom and dad would have at least mentioned that that they were expecting another child, or I would have noticed that mom was pregnant. <laughs> but I, I have no recollection of any of that all of a sudden they came home from school one day and there you were sitting on on mom's lap or something it was like well you know where did you come from <laughs> it was total shock and surprise maybe i was in denial i i don't know but uh, anyway that's that's how that comes about so i don't know if you two ever heard the story if i have ever had a chance to share this story uh with you two about a phone call that i got about dad uh this was Oh, more than 15 years ago, it was before I was in the ministry and uh, the phone rang at our house, uh, our home one night. And um, uh, my daughter said, Dad, I think this person needs to talk to you. And and this gentleman asked if um, if I was related to Russ Goodshow. And of course, Dad had, you know, passed by then. And so I said, well, yes, my brother, Russ lives elsewhere and he goes no I'm thinking this would be your father and I said oh yes and so I shared with him that dad had died you know several years before and he said oh he said I was so hoping that I could get your father to come visit my wife he uh, his wife was very ill in the process of dying but she was a long time uh employee at one of the office buildings that dad delivered mail to for many many years and he said my wife would come home daily and tell how your father had told a joke or told a story or just made her laugh or smile and he said right now my i just thought if he could come and visit my wife it would make her day and uh, so i have always held on to that story because 
you know, that's that was dad. Yeah. It was, more, oh, yeah. it was more than just a paycheck and delivering mail. And, uh, you know, I think that was part of what pushed him to retire when they started telling him he needed to be more efficient in his work. He needed to spend less time doing that. But, but. And I think that's that's as good an indication of his approach uh, to public service as any, that it wasn't just a matter of doing that job and getting the mail delivered, but there was a personal element that he was going to bring to it with the interactions that he had with people. Um, and I think that's that's really what you know caused him to want to do that job day in and day out. All right, well, to wrap things up, uh, it's time to uh, hear from our sponsor for this episode. Jay, I was uh, successful in in uh, going back to Wiseacre Solutions, who sponsored an earlier episode. They have a new product out. It's a new smartphone app called SoloZone. Uh, SoloZone was inspired by the frustration many people feel when daylight saving time begins and end, ends. It's easy to reset your alarm clock. It's another matter entirely when it comes to resetting your body clock. Well, Solo Zone lets you leave daylight saving in the past, giving you your personal time zone. Uh, Solo Zone works with GPS capabilities of your phone to ensure that no matter where you are, it will always be noon when the sun is directly overhead. Uh, information about your location is continually updated and stored in the cloud. Any Bluetooth and Wi-Fi connection to device, connected devices you designate will have their clocks adjusted to your personal time. SoloZone works with all major calendar apps to automatically reset appointments scheduled by others to fit your personal time zone. Now, this is the best part. These and more features are available for just $6.99 per month, but for for $9.99 per month, you can get a subscription that covers all the members of your household. So you're all roughly on your own zones, but uh, presumably they all kind of work in harmony with one another. So if this appeals to you, look for Solo Zone in the Apple App Store and Google Play Store today. That having been said, uh, on a more serious note, we uh, will look ahead to our next episode. We're going to return to the discussion of municipal manager contracts. Uh, we've done two episodes on that, and we want to come back to that and, and follow up uh, with some more details on what ought to be in contracts and what ought not to be in contracts. So I uh, invite you to, uh, to tune, tune in for that episode again. Yes, I agree, and we want to thank Kevin for uh, uh, sticking his neck out and joining the two of us this and morning. putting up with us for all these years. <laughs> yes, we, 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 we can apologize now for that over the air. That's not an apology. It was just oh, okay. an acknowledgement. Oh, okay. So we're good. Okay. Uh, there, I'm, I'm living without regrets here. Well, very good. <laughs> we'll let him have the last word. Thank all you right. for letting me join you two. Um, it was great. Great time. Yeah, this was fun. We won't yes. do it. We won't do it again. But it was fun. Absolutely not. Once is enough. All right, that's All the way right. I feel about it. Right. Have a good day, both of you. Take care. Thank you for listening today. We hope you enjoyed the show. Manager Brothers Lessons Learned is a production of Greg Guidance, LLC, a multi-specialty consulting firm offering interim management, group process facilitation, workflow analysis, operational studies, and more to local governments in Michigan and beyond.